Welcome to another episode of Out From The Cube. But before we get started on our next episode, I wanted to make sure to thank our sponsor. Polaris Solutions has supported our podcast for the past two years and has been a part of some of the discussions in those episodes. And it was easy for me to support them the past couple of years because I actually worked for them. This past year, I changed jobs, but it is still very easy for me to continue to support them because of the work they are doing to put businesses and products in the best position possible. If you are working on a product or needing to modernize an existing product or looking to get a solution up to the cloud, Polaris is the company that you should start with. They are top-level technical company that is run by amazing people that I am happy to continue to call my friends. You need to start and stop your technical shopping by going to PolarisSolutions.com, getting connected with them, and making sure that you get all your questions answered. Uh, appreciate the support that they continue to give to our podcast, and please reach out to them and get all your technical questions answered. Now, we'll go on to our episode. I can t- uh, will thank you for the support that you have given to the podcast, and l- hope that you enjoy this next episode of Out From The Cube. All right, we're live again on LinkedIn. A little bit different this morning. Very fortunate. Uh, we've been going for, I don't know, we're on two, week two, day four, day five. We've had Jason Wells on pretty much every day since last Tuesday or Wednesday. Jason got pulled away to some other things. He's actually got a an interview with a big-time guest uh, that he's super passionate and, and, and involved with, Evan Carmichael. So I was really excited about that. And I have been reaching out to a few people, and we have Ed Molitor on with us today. And I'm super excited about this because um, Co- Coach Molitor uh, is, is a basketball coach, former basketball coach, and was on one of my first 20 to 50 podcasts that I had. And as people are sitting around, and um, are, are spending obviously all this time at home. I was thinking about this this morning, cup of coffee, five in the morning. I was thinking about this conversation with Coach Molitor. And the, the one thing I wanted to lead in with was, I, I just hope that everybody that is sitting at home that uses LinkedIn, just go connect with people. You like, And you may not hear from everybody and you may not have these great conversations, but I, I, I just really would plead for you to do that because of this. I randomly a year to a year and a half ago reached out to Coach Molitor. Didn't I knew his background? I knew who he was. He had no idea who I was, but responded to me. We ended up having a great conversation. We knew some of the same people, although he was at a, a much higher level than I was in terms of basketball. But because of that, even without knowing it, he's had a great impact on me just because of the content, what he does, always giving back to me and always re- responding to my messages and, and questions I might have. Um, so I just, I would urge you just reach out to people because it's one person, one person that you can connect with that can change a perspective, change a route, change a, a mindset that can put you in a better spot. And you just don't know where it's going to come from. And I have numbers and numbers of those type of stories. Coach Molitor is not the only one, but it definitely is. So with all that being said, coach, I appreciate you making time for, for me and for us today to come on LinkedIn live with us. Well, thank you very much for the invite. Thanks for the kind words. And you're absolutely right. I mean, just network, reach out, connect. And when you do it, be genuine and be authentic. And you never mm-hmm. know where it's going to lead. And when you and when you do it with the servant mindset, when you do it with what can I provide, uh, that's where the relationships really grow. And I got to say, George, we've had a lot of fun together. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm trying, trying to mess with technology as we're going. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. That's all. Yeah, no, it is. It has been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the one thing that even talking with you offline when we were getting going and the one thing that um, actually I, I, I started hearing this phrase a lot more uh, when Kobe Bryant ended up getting out of basketball and got into, uh, you know, media and motion picture and all that. But the phrase that he always used, and I've heard it a lot more since then, is just uh, storytelling and being able to tell a really good story. And as we were kind of talking offline and you were telling me some stories, you know, basketball and recruiting and the people you were with and work for and all that, I'm just sitting there going, man, just the, 
man, the ability to tell a story, to connect with people like you, you without question have that gift. Like that is a gift that, um, that you were blessed with because I could listen to you tell stories about basketball and business and teams and all that all day long. Cause it's, uh, you are gifted with that, the ability well, to tell a story. I appreciate that, but it does pay huge dividends, and I have a lot of practice from putting the kids to bed at night. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, how many, tell me, I think we have kids maybe similar in age. How old are your kids? So, my daughter, Maddie, is seven and going okay. on 17, and my son is five. And, um, okay, so they are competitive as hell. Heck, excuse me. Last night we were outside yeah. playing one on one after dark. And I, I explained to Maddie, I said, he should have won the game in regulation. You shouldn't have let it go in overtime because her, buzzer, her uh, brother beat her at the buzzer and it wasn't pretty. Oh, man. So, yeah, your your children are a little bit younger. I have a nine and 10 year old uh, about to have. Yeah, is that, no, that's not true. I have a, I have a nine and 11 year old. My nine year old is about to turn uh, 11. We're going to have to have a stay at home birthday party here in the next month or so for him. So, um, you know, I know we only have so much time and there's a lot I want to get into because I do enjoy these conversations with you. Um, and I know that you, you've been busy. I know you've, how long have you been kind of, you know, at home quarantined up? How, uh, how long have you been at the house? Well, we've been, this is our second week. So today would be, okay. what is it? Today's Thursday, correct? So yeah. we're on day nine of homeschooling. So, and I gotta be honest, I, I, it's going pretty well. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, we're blessed to have uh, my folks in the area. Um, but the kids have been, I mean, kids are resilient, right? They just sort of, they're agile. They just sort of adjust. They're not always happy about it, but they will do it. Um, and they get in a little bit of, of the routine and we're, we're having as much fun as we possibly can with it. Yeah, we started homeschooling yesterday, and um, so we do have some kids that are a little bit older, so they're able to, to, your, to the point, I think we both use the same word. I mean, these kids are resilient, and much like what I'm trying to find with the teams that I'm running, um, you know, uh, uncertainty is a word that is being thrown around right now by uh, me and, and some other people that I'm listening to, but getting people into a routine getting them some structure, uh, you know, under having them understand what the results are and right. driving towards that, man, just kind of get, you're never going to, we're not going to be in a, a normal, there's not going to be a whole right. lot of normalcy to this, but mm-hmm. getting my children structured, organized, you know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll respond to that. They'll respond. Hey, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Yep. After the first day, I was ready to give them four straight snow days. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't have, we didn't have any snow on the ground, but I was yeah, snow day. Why not? <laughs> right. Why not, right? Right. So um, let's let's get into it. I know that you even mentioned this, um, you know, quickly that, you know, we were talking about what we kind of wanted to cover here briefly. And a lot of these LinkedIn lives and podcasts that I do are very conversational cup of coffee and whatever comes up that that type of um, attitude. And I I just kind of enjoy that. Uh, You know, I know who you are, so I didn't research you too hard and we've known each other for a little bit. But the theme right now that I'm seeing across social media and content and John Maxwell actually did a three day seminar on this is, you know, leading in crisis. And, and when, when you were going to come on and I was thinking this morning about, you know, some good things, I, I, I'm going to be selfish. I started thinking about my team, my, like I'm running, uh, I have a team in India. I have a team here in the St. Louis area. Um, and my, my boss, the, the person I report to is still expecting results, still demanding results and still wants our teams to perform. And I am being tasked to lead them. So I was thinking about having this general blanket question for you, but then I wanted to make it very personal to me. Like, how can I continue to reach my team? How can I still expect them to drive results? How can I um, not overwhelm them? Like some of those things, I guess the first question would be this then, how should I be leading my teams right now, coach? Like, what should I be telling them? What vision and uh, message should I be putting to my team right now? Well, first of all, I've always believed, and this goes back to, you know, the way I was raised as a coach's son. Um, I believe a team is a direct reflection of their head coach. I truly, I truly do believe that. And I think right now, and we've talked many times about moving from the management mindset to a coaching mindset and the value of that, because we know that people in the workplace want three things, right? They want to know that they're valued. They want to know that the work they're doing is important and they want a coach, not a boss to tell them what to do. They want a boss to jump in alongside them and take the journey with them. Now, Mm. with that being said, there has never been a time where that's more needed, where that's more necessary than right now. Okay. So you have to, you have to be the face that your team needs. I'd love to say that I came up with that, but that's something that I heard Mike Krzyzewski say years ago, sitting in the Nike suite at a Nike clinic and then read in his book, um, leading from the heart. And I truly believe that you have to be the face your team needs. Now, 
you may be sitting there saying, but my team doesn't see me except on Zoom. I don't mean literally, okay? I mean mm-hmm. the way you lead, the type of positive energy, the way you communicate, okay? How crystal clear are you in your message to be, hey, guys, here's our reality, okay? Our reality isn't the news. We're in a bad situation, okay? You know, we talk about social distancing, and I'm going to be very tongue-in-cheek here, but also very serious. I believe in social uh, media distancing. Okay. Mm. To be honest with you, because Mm. there's so much negative out there that's just feeding, feeding, feeding the subconscious. So your message has got to rule a day and it's got to be crystal clear in what um, your expectations are. But when I say expectations, I don't mean that in a negative connotation. I mean, in the sense of here's how we're going to be successful guys, because we're going to be successful. I mean, look at what we've accomplished as a country already. All right. We're pivoting. We're, we're no, not everybody's in the boat. Not everybody's all in. Right. But as a whole, we are moving in the right direction. Organizationally, you need to think that way as well, because you got to remember the four basic, the, the universal needs of, of, of teams. Yeah, okay. Trust. And everything mm-hmm. starts with trust. And trust is a cornerstone of every single relationship. It's a foundation a cornerstone and foundation of every single relationship, every single successful team, every successful organization. And when I say successful, that's my de- you know definition mm-hmm. of success. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking about how we operate and pull the most out of our people that we possibly can, how we maximize their human potential and how we maximize our potential as a team. So you got to, you got to, everything you do has to be with the thought in mind that I'm going to continue to deepen my relationship with my people and build my trust equity. You do that with compassion. Okay. Mm. You have to recognize everybody in your team's in a different situation. Everyone's work environment is different now. Okay. There are circumstances outside their office door. They may not have an office door. They may be sitting at their kitchen counter. They may be sitting at their kitchen table. They may be hiding in a closet somewhere because kids are beating the you know, snot out of each other in the basement. I kind of speak from experience there, don't I? So anyways, <laughs> um, But you have to be aware that you have to have compassion because what you also have to do is you have to acknowledge Mm -hmm. your your team member's anxiety. You have to acknowledge. You can't tell them just put your head down business as usual. You can't do that. There's so much at stake here. And a lot of it has to do with the fear that's driving us right now. And that's the fear of what? Pretty much losing everything, losing our health, losing our financial security. You think about all the different factors that, that are hitting us. Okay. Now, let me pause for a second there because I want to say something. Every day when I journal in the morning, I have a routine I do every morning. And part of my my, my journal entry is gratitude. What, I, what I'm grateful for my wife, both my children, my parents, and for my business. Okay. And I, and I take time. And it's short. It's quick, right? But Sunday morning I woke up and it seemed to be like the first time I could actually sit in my chair with silence in the house. And that was including the dog you might have just heard. And I started my gratitude list. And I, all of a sudden it dawned on me. This is an awful, awful virus. It's an awful situation. It's an awful pandemic. I do not want to minimize it. But what it is, it is an amazing opportunity for us individually and collectively to come out on the other side of this much stronger, much wiser, um, strengthen our emotional intelligence, okay? Much better leaders, much better parents, much better friends, siblings, whatever you want to be. It's an amazing opportunity for, for me personally, I was just having this conversation on one of my podcast recordings and and for my wife and for our family, we're treating this like a reset button. We're doing things now that we never had the opportunity to do. So going back to, going back to what you were talking about with your team, show that in the conversations, right? The first few minutes of the conversation, when you pick up the phone and say, Hey, Sarah, Mm -hmm. how you doing? Okay. Have an emotional connection. Nothing Pollyanna, nothing mushy, just, hey, how's it going? You know, how's Johnny hanging in there? Okay. Hey, how, how's Susie doing? You know, you got to, they have to know that you understand, recognize, accept, embrace their struggle, their fear, their anxiety, their situation, their circumstance, and yet that you're there for them. And you need to be as accessible as you have ever been as a leader. You need to be reachable. I really think that we're, as a whole in society, there's this thing called the rally effect. Okay. And in times of crisis, I, I think it's, it's, it really shows up the most if, if you do things the right way. Okay. If you do things the right way, because in times of crisis, what your character is revealed, your character as a leader and your character Mm -hmm. as a team. Okay. So now you've got the trust, you got the compassion, but what are your people looking for now? You just use the word that's so significant. 
uncertainty. One of my, mm-hmm. one of my, one of my biggest clients, um, you know, is in the financial world and this whole turbulent upside down roller coaster, freeze the market, everything's driven around the uncertainty we're living with. All right. Your team's no different. What they need from you as a leader is they need stability. Okay. We, we, we want to develop player led teams. Okay. We want to know that as a coach, we used to talk about this at the college level all the time. And I, again, I took this from my father. If I, for whatever reason, there's a commitment or there's a, a something that happens and I'm called away from practice. I want to know that you guys, I've done a good enough job as your leader, getting you ready, getting you prepared, teaching you the basics, teaching you the fundamentals, communicating things to you. I want to know that you are able to run the practice. It's no different right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my, one of my recent podcast episodes and I apologize. I don't have the number. Um, it's, it's, un, it's an unbelievable podcast. It's Cody Foster from advisors Excel. And he talks about the challenges he had health wise, his wife had health wise and how he was pulled away from his organization. I mean, and they're wildly successful. Okay. It's a great listen, Cody Foster. And you know, he talked about the fact how proud he was that they were able to run the organization without him hovering around and always checking in and being pulled away from his family. Okay. So I think as a leader right now, though, you need to keep driving that and you need to keep elevating the level of stability that you bring to it and recognizing that what works for for Bob might not work for George, right? In other words, time-wise, um, commitment-wise, and things are going to come up. And I think keep being consistent um, in your, in messages. And we talk a lot about resilience and I don't know if there's ever been a greater opportunity because here's, here's the thing that's interesting within our organizations. We talk about singleness of purpose. I work on this with my clients, whether it's my coaching Mm. clients or my corporate clients, having a singleness of purpose while you create a culture that's worth fighting for. Okay. Right now, all those teams that did that, that created that culture or work towards creating right. that culture that's worth fighting for. They're thriving. They're not just trying to get through this. They're growing through this. Okay. This is, they're in the trenches and they're going to battle together, which is really cool to see. Okay. So, mm-hmm. okay. But with that, with that being said, all right, let's back up just, just a little bit. Cause you, you have to keep driving that. And you talk about a singleness of purpose and we talk about getting buy-in right. Mm-hmm. And before you can have buy-in, you have to have what you have to have believe in. They have to believe in what you're doing, speaking to the trust, compassion, and the stability. And we always communicate to our people and what makes a great teammates great, that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Well, guess what? And we, we try to get them outside their comfort zone. Go grow, get outside your comfort zone. You need to push yourself, right? And that's our responsibility as leaders is to find a way to get our people outside their comfort zone and put them in a uh, position to be successful. But here's what's happened to us in this time, in this crisis with this pandemic. We have, as a whole, been completely picked up and moved unexpectedly way the heck outside our comfort zone. And now there's no option. You've got to figure this out. And as a leader, I am here to help you figure this out. And we're all going to not just get through this. We're going to grow through this. And we are not only are we a part of something bigger than ourselves organizationally, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves with our family with society as a whole. Cause now we have, we have not just a responsibility. I believe we have an obligation. What do I mean by that? The night before I was supposed to go on a ski trip with my, my great friend, Trey Sturmer. Um, we were going out to Utah and I felt wrong about it. Okay. I felt wrong about the few days leading up to it. Cause everything, all heck was starting to break loose. And mm-hmm. this is three weeks ago. So it was the week leading up to Friday the 13th. So it was like the 10th, the 11th. I was leaving that Thursday. So that would have been the 12th. I think I have those days right. It's pretty hard to forget Friday the 13th. But anyways, and we're on the phone, and all of a sudden, Utah Jazz game is canceled, right? right. And they, they were in Oklahoma City, Yep. all right? And I had already checked into my flight knowing I was never getting on that plane, but that was it. That was when I said, I'm not getting on my plane. Um, I have a mom who's been battling uh, some health issues, autoimmune disease, some other things for, for a while. Um, you know, my parents aren't – my parents are they're, – they're unbelievable. I mean, for their age, but they're still in that age group. Right. And we're around them quite a bit. My kids are around them quite a bit. I said, I said, I have an obligation to the people in my life not to go. Okay. As much as I want to, as much as this kills me, I have an obligation back here. And I think in terms of our business and our organization as leaders, we have an obligation to know that our people are way outside there. 
Okay. And what can we do to help them to just blow up how successful they can be? You know, let's talk about sales for a second. Everyone's like, well, this is a crutch. This people are going to use this to say, this is why I didn't have a good 2020. No, people are picking up the phone right now. People are home. People want to talk. People want to know that things are, are, are moving forward. They want to know that you care. I mean, mm. and my, my wife's in sales. And I said, I said, there's so much power in how you do things and how your, your team at Comcast business does, does things because you're, they're just picking up the phone to call and tell their clients and potential clients that they care. We're here for you. We're not trying to sell you anything right now. We're here if you right. need us, but you know, just want to make sure everything's okay. And that's there, so. I think back to my main point. There's so much opportunity here for all mm. of us as leaders and performance. Man, right. Uh, I appreciate that. That that needs to be aired on all the networks. Just that. I, we need to extract that out and just put it on ABC, <laughs> NBC. It really is. I mean, because here's the thing. Like everything that you talked about just there, in my mind, is you're making sure you're offering hope to everybody and direction and vision. Right. Like this, that's my number four right there. Hope you're aiming to that. I mean, you're exactly hope is what trust, compassion, stability. And the fourth one's hope. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. There's, I mean, I I wish we had a ton of time. We, uh, we do have a bunch of time, but I know we have some stops, but let me ask you this. Um, uh, and this, this is, you know, maybe not as deep as, uh, maybe people want me to go a little bit, but you, you start the day with a gratitude list. I know it's kind of off the point, but, uh, but that, that intrigued me a little bit because I'm trying to get into that. I talk about that a fair amount. Do you, uh, um, and you kind of had bullet points, bam, 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 bam. This is what I write down. Are those the same things for you every day? Or do you actually spend thought in like other, like it'd be easy for me to say, Hey, my wife, my three, the three kids, you know, my job, my friend, my community, whatever. Right. Great question. So what I do is I write something of gratitude. So I write something I'm grateful for about my wife, about, okay. About, you know, each Perfect. child, about my parents. And I have, I have some other things in there about the business. Um, yep. when I'm, when I'm going through a struggle, um, whether it's personal, professional, I will, I will add that to my gratitude list. I will write what I'm grateful about inside of that struggle, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really the whole journaling thing, what it helps us do, which is something else I, I should have mentioned. What's important for leaders to do right now is to celebrate victories, no matter how small they are, no matter how big they are. Right. Damn. And here's something that I found. You know, and it's funny because I led remotely for 11 years, okay, before, including the last three and a half uh, when I was vice president of operations for a recruiting firm. I led remotely with a national team. And, and it's before I can articulate something to you the right way, I always felt responsible that I needed to articulate it down on paper. So I knew what I was saying and how I was saying it, right? So I clearly could define reality reality to you. And that's what a resilient leader does. I mean, they have the ability to accept, now not settle for, you know, reality and the circumstances, but they have the ability to accept it and to communicate what that reality really is with passion, energy, and purpose to all their stakeholders. And again, what an opportunity we have to do that right now. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this is a side note, but I'm really disappointed that you're not coaching basketball anymore. Like it's yeah. going to burn me. You know why it's going to burn me? Cause I want my two kids to play for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, going to really burn me. I wish you were still hey, coaching. Hey, Hey, we haven't lost any games yet. Have we? <laughs> but so trust, compassion, stability, and hope. And, and you said that's your fourth. And I want to make sure that you hit you, you know, that you have some time to hit on, the hope and, and why, why is hope the fourth there? What, what, like I, I understand why I'm trying to create that and, and have them, you know, the hope to me is like, Hey, George, in three months, this is all going to be, or two months, one month. Like we're going to be back to some sense of normalcy and you're going to be able to do this, or we were able to accomplish this and this is how it's going to happen. And then every day I'm sitting there going, man, coach Molitor, you know, is having me believe like I've got the hope that this is going to work its way out and we're going to be great. Is that kind of like, is it just painting this, forward vision of what we're going to be, who we're going to become and what we're going to accomplish. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because those four, I have more, those four, you know, I, 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 I love Gallup, what they do. Okay. And, and Gallup talks about that a lot, you know, and the hope factor, I used to think back when, when I was a little naive, I used to see hope sometimes as a, as not a negative, but as a weak word, because I felt like I was out of control if I didn't use the word hope, but hope's what people need. It's what they want because it's what Mm. keeps them going during these times. Okay. You know, and it's not that I hope I can be good. It's, you know, there's hope. There is a, a, there is no matter how dark it gets, that pilot light is always on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And something is going to ignite that pilot light and get us flaming again. 
Okay. And that to me is what, what hope is, you know, that, that, that pilot light's not going to go out. We're going to, we're going to grow through this. We're going to come out the other side better, you know? And I think in, 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 you and I have talked about this. I think what's really huge to build this trust right now is you have to live and breathe authenticity every single waking moment of the day. And I always break authenticity down into three things, integrity, right? Doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And your, 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 your thoughts, your beliefs, your values, and your, your behaviors are aligned. Mm-hmm. Honesty. I mean, that's pretty simple. That's pretty basic honesty. And then vulnerability in the sense of this, and this is so key right now, as we learn, as we go, as we navigate these uncharted waters, like we're not real sure what's happening next. You need to be able as a leader, say to your team, I need to be as a leader, need to be able to say to my team, you know what? I don't have the answer. Anybody have an idea? Or has, has anybody gone through this? Has it worked for you? When you work with your leadership team, ask for something to bring back to your team, right? When mm-hmm. you work with your sales team, when you when you make yourself vulnerable, what are you doing? You're, you're giving someone on your team an opportunity to step up. You're also letting them know that you respect them, you respect their experiences, right? And that you trust them because you're making yourself vulnerable to them. And I think those those are very, very key at this time too. Mm. So uh, people may not know this and, and I know a little bit, um, but what does your company do? The Molitor group? What, what do, what is, what do you all do, uh, for, for businesses? So executive coaching, okay, leadership consulting and keynote speaking. So it's, it all, it all goes hand in hand. It really does. Mm-hmm. But when I come in and I say, you know, leadership consulting, I don't want it to be construed. Think we're coming in there and doing a three day seminar. It's more of a team coaching situation. I'll come in and I'll do a, a presentation for an hour. And if it's something that really resonates with you and we identify a need within certain teams in your organization, I'll come in and spend time and meet with everybody one-on-one. Okay. Meet with you collectively. Here's where we're at. Now let's all sit together and let's work through some things. Okay. Mm. Then the obviously executive coaching working one-on-one. So we're all looking to close our performance gap. Okay. We're here and we know, or we think we're capable of here. And there's this huge gap of skills that we're not executing and behaviors we're not executing, whether it's limiting beliefs, whether it's our thought process, whether there's, there's poor habits, whatever it is, but we're going to move you from here to there, whether it be individually or collectively, because here's the bottom line. We will never realize our human potential. We won't. But if we focus on being our best, now not the best, you know, Kevin Eastman talks about this on our podcast. And one more thing that I do is the Athletics of Business podcast, which yeah. we've had some phenomenal guests on. I mean, no question. Yeah. For those, just to cut you off there, you, yeah. everybody that's listening to this and, and it's been humbling and flattering the people that have been listening to these LinkedIn lives, like you need to write down in your notes, the Athletics of Software, because I do, I go to his uh, website and listen to all, all of his podcasts. And the last one you did with Kevin Eastman, it, it was phenomenal. What a, He is an outstanding person outstanding person. Yeah. And what, and what the, if somebody's wondering why the athletics of business said it's our brand and what that really, what that stems from is my previous career of being a college basketball coach and then getting into the corporate world and seeing that the traits and behaviors, um, that, you know, utilized by high performing teams and elite athletes are the same ones that are the key to your success in business. No question. And so we have guests on, we have major college coaches on, we have CEOs of, of unbelievable companies, we have business owners, we have senior sales directors, senior VPs, we have strength coach, we have everybody on. And I'm going to tell you what, when you listen to it, you'll realize the recurring themes. Okay. There are, I love when people sit there and try to hack things and disrupt things. And they talk about the secrets to success. There are no secrets. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the secret. There are no secrets. So check that out. But, but anyways, you know, and what Kevin talked about was focusing on being your best versus the best, because he talked about when he worked with Kevin Garnett, when he worked with Paul Pierce, okay, all the great Ray Allen, mm-hmm. you know, he said they never really talked about being the best when they were working out. What they did that day when they went to the gym to work out, to get shots up, to work on their ball handling, work on their footwork, to work on their speed, to work on their agility. They just talked about getting better. And he tells a great story about when he worked out LeBron James when LeBron just first came out of high school. And um, that was it. Just just get better. And I mm-hmm. think right now, I think right now, what a time, everything. Just right. make 1% improvement every single day. And what are you going to look like on the other side of this? And one of the exercises I did with the client yesterday, 
And I think you'll find this interesting because we talk about vision a lot, right? Creating creating a compelling vision, not just your, your textbook vision or some cookie cutter vision, but something that's a com- compelling, something that you attach emotion to because that emotion is what's going to move us. What's your vision for, you know, the other side of COVID-19, the coronavirus? We don't know when it's going to end. Okay. We don't, but we know for certain it's not going to be anytime soon. So what's your vision? So instead of running a two week feedback loop and seeing how you're doing with your goals, your new goals, uh, your new task every single day, what is it? What is it today? Good. You know, when I start today, what do I want at the end of the day? I know, I know exactly what I want when these kids are raring to go at four o'clock today, that we're going to go and open up the laptop and they're going to do karate with their instructor virtually. I know that. And I know that I'm going to get them dressed in their karate outfit. It's already in my head because I want them to feel as normal as possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, th- those are the things, but I also know what I need to do between now and that. And I know that I need to get that to work. And I know at the end of the day, what I want to feel like. And when I feel that way, what things I can do before we call it a night. And I just think that's so important right now. So the exercise is this, write down, it's twofold, write down what you want to look like, what you want your world to look like, what you want to look like as a leader, what you'd like your team to look like. All right. And then when you're working with your team and with yourself, what sort of things do you need to do? What changes to your schedule, to your habits, to your behaviors do you need to make to look like that? And then the other thing, go back to what I, when I was talking about journaling, write down the opportunities that are presenting themselves now that may not have presented themselves if we weren't in this pandemic. Write those down and, and make, make a copy where you can keep at your desk, keep in your pocket for when you're driving, if you have to need to go get essentials. Um, I have a copy on the bathroom mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is that? Because you never know when the negative thoughts are going to pop in your head. And they are. It's it's okay. Be grateful. Be graceful with yourself. Okay. We're going to have flawed thinking. We're going to have negative thoughts. We're all going to have self-doubt in this situation. But if you have access to those opportunities and you can bring yourself back to, I don't have to do, I get to do this and I have the opportunity to do this and I can accomplish this. And if you pick one of those out and dial into it, and what do I have to do? What's the one thing professionally and personally I need to do today to make that 1% improvement? I'm going to tell you what, when this is all said and done and you get together as a team, the power that's going to be in that room. Now there might be a pink elephant floating around, but the power that's going to be in that room and the self-confidence level. And and with that being said, I'm going to use a word that a lot of people don't like. Some people don't like self-discipline. Self-discipline is as critical as it's ever been in our world. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Our confidence level in our government, our confidence level in our financial markets, our confidence level in Billy Joe Bob, who's trying to buy 5,000 rolls of toilet paper at the store before us, our confidence level in every facet of our life has gone down. Here's what self, self-discipline self does, okay? Self-discipline drives your self-control. It hmm. drives your self-control. And that's not negative. It's awesome to have self-control because you know what that does? That increases your level of self-confidence, which is going to drive that process for you to have self-realization. And at the end of the day, as an executive coach, as a keynote speaker, as a leadership consultant, that's all I want for my clients is that self-realization, just to keep getting better, doubling down on their process every single day. And if we do that right now, the other side of this is going to be pretty powerful and pretty good for us because we're going to realize what we're really capable of. Mm. Man, I, hey, we need to do this every day, man. I need some individual one-on-one coaching, man. This would just get me excited for everything. I mean, you're exactly, everybody needs to be listening to this and this is what people need. Um, they really do because it was something. We talked about Alan Stein offline, uh, who we both know a little bit, um, but he had something the other day, really simple. He had a checkbox for better and he had a checkbox for worse. And he was like, hey, we're going to roll out of this. Don't know when, but we are rolling out of this. And everybody needs to make that decision on if they're going to be better or worse. Um, And so, you know, this idea and I've and you're just it's one of these things we talked about. I know this stuff. I've heard this stuff before. It's it's a different delivery to me. Um, it's a different narrative and story and your voice and how you uh, the words that you use to kind of motivate and inspire me. but you've got me juiced up that I've got to be doing that. I've got my journals here. I've, I've got all my little notes that I write down, all this sort of stuff. Um, but I need to be more deliberate with that. I need to be more like checkbox. Like this is who I want to be today by the end of the week, by the end of the COVID thing. Uh, this is who I want my team to look, what my team should look like, you know, given their input on what we're capable of. Um, now with, and so I asked you what, you what your business does. Is this the message then? I guess two questions. 
you you mentioned that your wife is just reaching out. Salespeople need to be on the phone, not to sell, but to affirm and to, you know, to make this authentic. Like, hey, I care about you. Like, how are things going? What can I do for you? Yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that also what you're doing to all your clients? Are you just on the phone with them saying, hey, I'm here for you. How can I serve you? It is. It is. One of my vendors sent out, and I know it's part of the mailing list, which they do a great job. And I, honestly, I forget exactly who it was. And one of my vendors sent out an email and they're talking about, and I don't want to say the wrong one, so I'm not going to say a name. You know, I, I, I apologize. I can't remember. And they talked about, this is not a time for B2B sales. This is not a time for B2C sales. This is a time for human to human sales. And that's, you know, and when I talk about the coaching programs, you know, I do a lot on helping people move from the management mindset to the coaching mindset. Okay. And when, when I talk to them, I'm constantly talking about the human element of coaching, the human element of leading. Think about it. You know, folks ask me often, what do you miss about coaching? And I try to shift it. Right. And I say, well, here's what I loved about coaching. And what I loved about coaching what I loved about because when we change the way we look at things, things right, no really question. Change, that's right? a great, that's a great yeah. perspective. So, so I completely pivot on them. And for years I didn't do it. Trust me. And I was a very yep. angry person when I first got out. I have a lot of, a lot of people in my life can attest to that, but <laughs> any, anyways, yeah. And a few dogs that I may have kicked, but anyways, I digress. So, you know, and I pivot from what I love, but what I loved was getting to know our players at a deep level. And there's, there's a number of reasons for that. A, because I, I genuinely cared about them. Okay. I made a commitment to their parents that I was going to watch after them, take care of them, push them to be the best they could be on and off the court. Okay. But I knew as I got to know them and they felt safe with me, that they would open up to me. And when they opened up to me, I could put them in the best possible position to be successful because I knew what made them tick. I knew what drove them. I knew what made them push back. I knew I got to know their story, what it was about them that made them kind of retreat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe kind of really get back and not want to hear things. And when you do that as a leader, when you get to that human to human element, you access something inside of people that, that just drives trust. And, you know, I mentioned my wife, pick them, but they're very genuine about it. They're being very sincere. I have done the exact same thing mm -hmm. um, via text via phone calls, via emails. Um, and I, I don't want people to think I'm shallow, but I know my clients. I know my podcast guests. I know their schedules. I know their lives. I know the companies they're trying to mm -hmm. save. I know the companies are trying to thrive. I know if they want a phone call or not. Okay. I know if they have time for a five minute phone call. If they don't, I'm texting and they know I'm texting because I'm thinking of them. I'm here for you. Just give me a shout if you need anything. That's it. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's really interesting. Another vendor of mine. I had a question about something the other day and I sent them a question and they texted me back. We think we can do that for you, but it'll be a hundred bucks an hour. I said, it's fine. I don't need it done. Wonderful vendor. Very fair price. Never a question. How are you doing right now? Have you had some clients drop off? Do you think a hundred bucks an hour makes sense or should we tweak it to what makes sense for you? And I'm not making that about me. Okay. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to be self, trying to be realistic about it because that to me is that to me is a wrong approach. Okay. That's a very transactional response to a very simple question in a very turbulent time. Yeah. And I think being very conscious of that, not just with your people on your team, but with your with your your clients, with your customers, right? And with your leaders, and with your leaders. You know, I think often people forget that that culture, you know, it, 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 it's driven top down, but it comes to life from the bottom up. You know, how many times as a leader do you have someone pick up the phone and say, hey, do you and surprise you with a text message or, and it, it makes your day. Yeah. Right. No as question. a coach, what's your favorite thing as a coach? My favorite thing as a coach is when I get wedding invitations or phone calls for former players. Two nights ago, I'm sitting in my chair dark house. Don't even have the TV on. I just want to sit in silence, right? Everybody's sleeping, just kind of thinking through the days I like to at the end of the day. And my phone buzzes. Normally I wouldn't check it. I pick it up and it's one of my former players from, I think 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Okay. And we, we texted back and forth for 45 minutes. Now you might be saying, well, why didn't you just pick up the phone? And call him? I didn't <laughs> right. want to talk to anybody. I was done talking for the day and he respected that. Right. Yep, and, he, yep. and we, we, that's what it's all about though. Cause when you, when you're able to access something inside of people, you now have the ability to tap into their human potential physically, skill wise, emotionally, behavior wise. And they, and they trust you to help drive those, those right behaviors. 
man, I think that is just so valuable. And there, I'll tell you what, there's, I, I really admire what you've done. I've actually sent you a note offline uh, after our podcast. And I listened to it many times. I followed all your content and listened to your podcast. And I remember sending you a note five, six months ago, just a random note. I just said, Hey, when you open your St. Louis office, I want to be the first person you interview. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready. I'm all on board, man. Anybody listening when you expand to St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got, I have to stay here though. Cause I have two kids that would cut my Achilles heels if I tried to get down there. Right. You know, um, we, we have somebody online actually that asked a question. Um, yes. They're really appreciating your content and your message and delivery as well. But the question is what can we, who are striving to be leaders, who may not be leading individuals yet, how can we take advantage of situations like this? Um, everything you're kind of saying, but also, you know, obviously with the, the COVID, how can we take advantage and get ourselves to another level if we're not leading anybody right now? And that comes from Luke Conger. Um, and I really appreciate him and uh, some other people that have been listening every day. Luke, that's a great question. And it's funny because that is so relative to right now to conversations I'm having with folks who are in positions who may not be in leadership roles per se, title-wise, but are aspiring leaders. And this is an incredible time, incredible time to work on your personal growth, to, to read, to study. If you pay attention, there is stuff everywhere on LinkedIn. I, Marshall Goldsmith, I saw something last night, and I, it was about 1030 at night, and I was sitting in my chair again, sit in my chair a lot, sitting in my chair again, and I watched a five-minute LinkedIn video. And I'm going to tell you what, I picked up two things. I picked up two things from them. Just become a sponge and absorb it. And, and remember this, okay? If you take anything away from what I'm saying to you now, the great ones become great in the unseen hours when nobody's watching, when nobody's looking. I used to love going into a gym as a player and working on my game when there was nobody around. I used to love sneaking in the gym as a coach and seeing who was in there getting shots up, who was working on their ball handling, right? Or what guys were in there together. You have to continue to develop and work on your leadership skills and look for opportunities to execute them. And what do I mean by that? Mm. I firmly believe in servant leadership, okay? You're in it for the others, not for yourself. Look for opportunities right now in this time to pick up the phone and call someone, whether or not they're struggling, right? Pick up the time uh, to, it might be someone who's on your team. It might be someone who is within your organization. It might be a neighbor, a neighbor. Look for opportunities to lead, look for opportunities to serve, but read, watch things, identify podcasts. I'll tell you what, Luke, my email is ed at the Molitor group.com. E D at T H E M O L I T O R group, G R O U P.com. Let's connect. I'll tell you which podcast to go back and listen to based on where you're at in your career and what you're looking to learn. Um, I think we've had, we have about 70 something out there right now. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for yep. that. Yep. There's your, there, his emails at the bottom of the screen for everybody. Like Perfect. everybody can reach out to him, right? Yep. You want everybody reach out? Yeah, no, that's fine. And then the athleticsofbusiness.com are, is the yep. website for the podcast. It's on yep. iTunes, Stitcher, Google play. Just, just be a sponge right now. And here's the thing. When you read a book, don't feel like you need to highlight everything. Okay. Don't feel like you need to write down every note. All right. Write down what resonates with you, what makes sense. You don't have to memorize the whole story. You don't have to memorize everything that's in there. But what clicked with you as an aspiring leader? And here's the thing. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned when I was coaching. You know, I'm going to give you a basketball analogy. And someone said, said Ed, if you want to be a head coach, you have to act like a head coach. You have to think like a head coach. You have to watch film like a head coach. Mm. And what did that mean? Every single detail matters, right? Okay. How is this going to help us? Not just today, not just tomorrow, but in the second half of the season, in the postseason, next year as we develop our players. So if you want to be a leader, identify some leaders, pick a mentor, pick two mentors, go get them. But remember this, when you get a mentor, you're there to serve them as much as they're there to serve you. Okay. Mm. And that's something we can talk about. I have a whole program on that as well, but, but just study, absorb, continue to share and look for opportunities to serve and to lead. And you'll be ready. You'll be ready and you'll be ready in the unexpected hour. Like there's a lot of people right now that didn't know opportunities to lead. We're going to be presented to them like they, they are right now. Yeah. Hey, last question. Cause I know your, your time is tight. Um, how, when did you start coaching? How old were you? Did you, did you, where did you go to college? Did you play college basketball? 
I did. I did. So I went to Creighton out of high school. That's right. That's right. So in my mind, I started coaching when I was four years old, my first memory of being in one of my dad's locker rooms. Okay. So okay. I would always sit on the bench and jump guys' butts when they weren't getting back on defense. Yeah. So that's perfect. So let's, yeah. let's say like, so from a toddler, this was something you were around, something you believed in, something you, um, you know, developed the skills for and all that. And then you coached all I, the way up until when did you stop coaching? How long ago? Oh, what year? So I started coaching uh, when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started coaching a division two school here in Chicago. Right. And, and that's something that you'll mm-hmm. find on, on our podcast. Everybody has a story of struggle. Everybody has a story of not getting paid anything. Um, I thought I was, I thought I was rich. I was making $3,200 per diem. I was getting my master's degree, but I was mm-hmm. actually using the master's degree to coach. Okay. My first boss, one of the greatest men in the business, Jim Weitzel, who's now the head coach at university of Buffalo. So I started when I was 22. I went from, um, I went from Texas A&M, or excuse me, I went from Lewis down to Texas A&M, got out of the business, got into the mortgage business, and got back into the business, like the mafia, right? Just when you think you're out. <laughs> yeah, you're back in. Then I was at DePaul, I was in Northern Illinois, and I coached uh, at a local junior college, Harper College, and that was it. And I've been out, out of it for a while. I've helped a couple of high schools. I helped my dad one year, had a wonderful time. I helped our high school here in Batavia. I uh, had mm. a great, great time there. Um, and truth be told, I'm really still around the game a lot because of friends. Um, I still help some of the local guys around, you know, kids and talk to some guys, talk a lot of friends that are still in the coaching business off the shelf sometimes. Right. Uh, I'm off the, you know, off the ledge, but um, it's, it's something that's in my blood. And, and yeah. like you of and course. I have talked about, that's why I love what I do. You know, that's why I'm so passionate because really the why is very similar. And yeah, so that's, that was, that was going to be my question. You spent all this time from being in locker rooms, watching your dad coach, being a coach at 22, let's say you stop coaching somewhere around, you know, your forties or whatever, but then you transition into the business world of team and leadership and executive development, but you've been doing that your whole life, right? You know what I mean? Like this is a seamless transition, everything. That's why you have it called the athletics of business. It's the principles that you're coaching at A&M and Creighton and the junior college and the high school are the same things you're teaching CEOs at these high, you know, when you start talking about trust, compassion, stability, you know, and hope and all those are things that you're teaching to young, young athletes. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, it's funny. And I have to mention this because I'd be very remiss and it'd be poor on me if I didn't do this. And one of the places I really learned about the human side of leading was from my mother. Uh, my mom, you know, both my parents from the South side of Chicago, um, back in the old days, they, you know, they thought that a woman should get married, get pregnant, raise a family, right? My mom wanted to be a nurse. That's what she wanted to be. And she went to nursing school. She was an RN for years. We moved to the Northwest suburbs and she decided she wanted to go back and get her four-year degree. Okay. And then she wanted to get her master's degree. And I watched her do all this as she's raising me, as she has a husband who's on the go all the time because he's a very successful high school basketball coach. And she never complained, never, you know, never tried to point the finger at her. Look at me. She started her own medical billing company, sold that, got into hospital administration, which culminated, okay, culminating in her being the director of women's health apprentice hospital, downtown Chicago at Northwestern. She helped design it, helped open it up, helped run it. I learned so much about the way my mom treated people, but here's where it resonated with me the most. Okay. When my mom developed cancer, she developed CLL, um, 2002. So it's been, it's been almost 18 years now. It'll be in uh, May. It's been almost 18 years or or June, sometime in the summer, 17, 18 years. And I would go visit her. She had some close calls and I'd go visit her in the hospital and I'd sit and I talked to her. Now you can only visit her when she'd let you. Okay. She wanted to make sure that she was, she was uh, put together so you could have a nice conversation. But I'd sit there and every nurse that walked in, every nurse that walked in, my mom knew their story. My mom knew what was going on in her life. She knew their first name. She knew their boyfriend's name. She knew their girlfriend's name. She knew their kids, their parents' name. She knew. And she would never give unsolicited advice, but she always knew the right time to inject the right encouragement. And I was mm. blown away. Here's a woman who is mm. fighting for her life. And God bless, she's, she's still doing great now. But that is where I really it took everything to a whole different level. Cause you know, in coaching and I do come from the old school where there, it was a lot different back then. Right. Right. You know, not to date or age myself, but it's pretty easy to do when you look at me, but it, it, you know, when I saw the way she treated those nurses and I, I, and she treated those nurses the same way that she treated the surgeons that she hired when she was the director of the department of surgery. 
surgery at Northwestern with the, with the same, she put him on the same pedestal uh, with the same respect, the same admiration. Um, it, it was just amazing. So that's, that's really where this, this all just kind of comes together for me, man. That's great, man. Well, I'll tell you what, to circle back to 47 minutes ago, you can tell a story to keep people engaged and inspired. Um, no doubt about that. That's why you're successful. How can people track you down? I mean, I'll put your, um, you know, your at sign, uh, to, so people can track you down on LinkedIn, but you, you did mention your website, uh, briefly, um, is it yeah. the molitorgroup.com, but you also have the, uh, what, what is it? I'll let yeah. you say. No, 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 absolutely. So it's the molitorgroup.com. Okay. There is a link to the podcast on the home website, yep. or you can just go directly to that website, which is the athletics of business.com, but go to the molitorgroup.com, some great stuff on there. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, just email me ed at the molitorgroup.com. That is my personal direct. I'm you know, business side, it goes directly to me. Mm -hmm. um, don't have an assistant that, that weeds out my emails. Um, I, I reply, I think in a pretty timely fashion, if I don't get back to you in two to three days, hit me up again and say, Hey, yeah. knucklehead, you know, it's sitting somewhere in your inbox. Um, especially now, now there's just a ton of stuff coming in, but I will reply to you. I want to help you anyway, in any way I can. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. I look forward to connecting. Yeah. And I will circle back to now 48 minutes ago. Um, this was a random thing with me on LinkedIn, trying to connect with people and trying to better myself very selfishly. I just wanted to learn from people and to coach's point about just being a sponge and taking things in and trying to learn from people. It was a random LinkedIn connection to coach Molitor. And he, uh, he responded. I sent him some notes. He came on the podcast and now you talk about content and being inspired and generating some hope on what's going on now and where we can be and what we can accomplish, who we can become, who our teams can become, who our families can become. Coach covered all of it. And I'm just being honest. Had I not reached out to him a year and a half ago, and it, I'll tell you what, I could have probably reached out to 250 people that day and coach may have been the only one to respond. Was it worth my time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody should be this is the time to connect. This is the time to get better. This is the time to be inspired and to spread and share a message. Um, and everything coach just said, one, I'm going to go through it all again, but I'm going to do this with my family. Like I've got to have those same things with my team professionally. And I need to have it with my team that is in this house right now, right? That everybody knows that we're going to get better and we're going to roll through this and we're going to become better people. Coach, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, this was like, 24 hours, 36 hours ago, we just said, hey, let's get together. And I can't thank you enough for it. It really means a lot to me and, and what you were able to give to me today. Well, George, I want to thank you, you know, and I, and I appreciate you so much what you're doing because I know you have a house full of people right now, right? You're taking time out to serve people, to put this out there. I was humbled when you asked me, um, you and I could talk all day. Heck we had before. Uh, thank you for reaching out to me originally and please don't hesitate to let me know any way I can help. Yeah. Perfect. Everybody reach out. Uh, if you've made it this far, reach out to uh, coach Molitor and, uh, it, it will be worth your time. Coach, you have a great rest of the day. We'll stay connected. And, um, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, George. Appreciate it.